Listening to the Coffee Hour, I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We are continuing our international series today. We head to Uruguay and learn about the Lord's servants there. Thanks to Concordia University Wisconsin for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live uncommon. Joining us today, the Reverend James Sharp, serving the Lord in Uruguay. Pastor Sharp, thanks so much for being our guest on the Coffee Hour. It's always great to be here. So tell us, it's been quite a while since we've had a chance to talk and learn more about how the Lord has given you to serve in Uruguay. For our listeners maybe not familiar with your story, can you give us a quick recap of how the Lord brought you to serve in Uruguay? Yeah, I was a parish pastor in Baltimore and had had some experience in, in Latin America before. I was an exchange student in Brazil and I got a grant from Lutheran Brotherhood when I was in seminary to study Spanish in Guatemala, but it had never come together for me to serve abroad, and that was fine. We were doing fine in in Baltimore, and I had been a teacher for a while at the high school there and a couple others, the Lutheran high school. And so I had this educational background, and I had this background having served in Latin America, and the synod was looking at partnering with the local church here to expand their ministry, they had one congregation and a very large school. And so they were really looking for a couple to come here, both of whom had an education background. And if the the pastor had time and experience in Latin America, that would be great. And I'm sure there were other couples that fit all of their requirements, but we pretty much checked all the boxes. So we received the calls here in 2014. We arrived in January of 2015. We've been here a little over, well, starting to push seven years now, six and a half. <laughs> that is fantastic. Tell us about the work that you do on the field. Has it changed since, uh, now that you've been there for, for several years, has it changed at all since from when you when you first landed to what you're doing now? Yeah, when we first landed, our main congregation is connected to the school in the neighborhoods called Prado, which is a little bit north of the city. Uh, it's, it's still in the city limits, but suburban-y. And when we first got here, we were really working a lot in the school and around the school and in the Prado congregation. And part of the idea of our being here was to expand mission and to start new congregations, new worship communities. And so we have moved physically. We moved downtown. So we live now about four miles away from the main congregation. And I have started serving in two church plant more areas, one downtown and one to the east side of of the city, just across the city limit on the other side of the airport, if anybody's familiar with Montevideo. And my wife has gotten into the school and started teaching English, uh, like as English as a second language, and now is teaching, it's a bilingual school, so she's actually teaching math in English at, at the school. 
And she also does a, a number of children's ministries. She organizes the Sunday school all over the country at all our ministry sites and trains teachers, uh, ed, Christian education teachers. So we have we've physically moved and we've also expanded what we're doing. How has moving downtown, how's moving into the city made a difference for how you've being able to serve those you're given to serve in the ways you're given to serve? Well, it's, it's a big change because where we lived before is a suburban area. It's not walkable at all. So you get in your car, you drive to the supermarket, you get in your car and you walk to, or you get in your car and you, you drive to school or, or wherever you're going. And here it, it is walkable. I had to buy knee pads for the girls for volleyball yesterday. And we walked a few blocks and went to the sporting goods store and bought volleyball knee pads. And so you get to know your neighbors a little bit more than we did in Prado. Uh, in Prado, except for the handful of people in the apartment complex that also had kids and our kids played together, I don't know any of my neighbors' names because everyone just calls each, calls each other Vecino neighbor. And they don't, they don't want to know more than that, kind of. And so here in the city, you don't have much choice. You see people constantly. And there are things that we sort of need to collaborate on here, living so tightly together that you get to know people more. And, and so it's been also a big change because we have a homeless problem uh, here, a homelessness problem, I would say, here in Montevideo that has been made worse by the pandemic. And so I've really gotten to know a lot of the mostly men that, that live on the street in this area and know them much more personally than I did before. When we were working downtown, the mission site that we were using before the pandemic is less than a mile away from here. But you didn't get to know people. They would just pop in and ask for food or pop in and ask for coffee or pop in and ask for money uh, a lot as well. But here I really have gotten to know people and it has helped me to connect people to what we're doing in the church and, and to, to have more opportunities to, to witness and to share the gospel with people and, and to see fruits of that in a way that we weren't when, when it was more of a commuter ministry that we were having to run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the last time we talked to you was right at the beginning of the pandemic. So how how has the pandemic changed or altered the way that you've been able to do your work in the last year? It's been off and on, closing down, opening up. Uh, some people have been scared to, to go to church since we've had church. Uh, we Uruguay was one of the early success stories. If you, I mean, there was an article in, I think, New York Times or something like that about how Uruguay stood out in Latin America as this beacon of, of doing pretty well with the virus. And then towards the end of 2020, it hit much worse. Really, it was summertime and people were traveling, the borders were open. And so we've gone back and forth and back and forth. And I think it's the inconsistency has been the hardest part. People get used to it if it's, something that's consistent, but it's been hard to get consistent when the government will limit the number of people that can gather. Then it closes us all together. It closes the school sometimes. And we're because the main congregation is connected to the school, we're really affected by what happens to the schools. So it's been the inconsistency that's been the biggest problem. But at, during that time as well, somehow, amazingly, 
we've been able to connect with people that we wouldn't have otherwise. We were doing, uh, we got a grant from the Office of International Missions Mercy Fund to buy food, basically, and distribute food in a neighborhood not too far away from Prado, but a place where we usually don't connect because we usually are connecting with school families and people from that economic level, you know, the kind of upper middle class that pay for their kids to go to private school. So we're able to get into neighborhoods we weren't able to get into. And with the online services, which we've gotten a lot better at, we're still not good at it, but we're a lot better than we were when it was uh, just me with my cell phone uh, transmitting live on Facebook or something like that. We have reached people that we wouldn't reach otherwise. And we had seven new members join the, the church a few weeks ago that had finished adult confirmation. Two of them had never been to church before for any reason. They had never set foot in a church. The first time they came to church was for their confirmation because we had done everything online and they live kind of far away. And, and so those are people that we would never reach. And it, it's not been good, obviously, that there's this pandemic and that we couldn't be together or that a lot of people couldn't come. But it's been really affirming, I guess, to see how the Lord has used even this terrible thing that has befallen pretty much the whole world to reach people with the gospel. Hmm. Tell us more about how you've been able to connect with people you, you mentioned online. How are you able to share the good news of Jesus and, and is being, you know, coming from a Lutheran perspective, is that well received among the people in your community now that you're in the city? Do they, are they familiar with what Lutherans believe, teach and confess, or is this uh, fairly new to the folks that you're reaching? It's fairly new. Most people don't know who the Lutheran Church is or what is our confession of faith. Uh, the, there aren't a lot of Lutherans in Uruguay. There are a lot more in Brazil and Argentina, the neighbors. So for whatever reason, historically, Lutherans, Germans in general, didn't come to Uruguay in large numbers like they did in, in some of the other countries in Latin America. So there haven't been a ton of Lutherans, and they pretty much divide all churches into either the Roman Catholic Church or sort of evangelical Pentecostal type churches, and they don't understand that there there is a third way there or a middle way. They do know who Martin Luther is, and so we're able to say, hey, it's the Lutheran Church like Martin Luther, and, and so they're able to at least get a historical context for for what we are. But I had this, there's this couple that they're actually immigrants from, from Ecuador, but they're members at our, our church now. And he had been participating in one of these evangelical Brazilian-based uh, Pentecostal churches, and she had been raised Roman Catholic. And they found their way into the, the mission and started participating and were confirmed. And one day, Fernando said to me, yeah, this is such a blessing for us to be in the Lutheran Church. And I'm like, oh, that's great, Fernando. Thanks for saying that. And he, he said, you know, because Gabby and I, we really wanted to to raise our, our family in, in the faith, and we didn't know what we were going to do because I was, I was, and they, they usually use the word Christian. I was Christian and she was Catholic, and, and now we found this church that's not Catholic or Christian. And I said, well, we, we like to think that we're both Catholic and Christian, Fernando, but I understand what you mean. So, you know, it, people just don't know much about the Lutheran Church, but I think that 
in the cultural context here where you have a lot of people that have a distant background in Roman Catholicism, but most of them are not very religious at all. And if they are religious, they're, they're usually their religion is atheism. But they, we look like a church to them. And that, I think, helps. You know, they, they, for whatever reason, somebody is watching one of our services and they show it to a friend of theirs or they share a link and for whatever reason they click on it. It, you know, it looks like a church to them. And I think that makes a difference because they're very suspicious of the evangelical churches. They consider them to be, uh, I can't think of the word in English, uh, there's a word in, in Spanish here, they say chantas, which is like a people that take advantage of people, you know, liars. And so I think it's important for that reason that, that we have a congregation that has a church building that looks like a church. Not all of our churches are like that, but our main church is, and that we, you know, we wear vestments and have an altar and things like that. And, and so that gives us a little bit of credibility uh, when it comes to that. But the nice thing is these people really don't know much about religion at all. So they're kind of blank slates. You're kind of starting from nothing. You're not really going up against some sort of deep seated theological stubbornness about something like the sacraments or uh, something like that, which you run into sometimes it's they're, they're open to hear the real gospel because in a lot of cases, they've never heard that Christianity is anything except a list of rules to follow. Hmm. We're talking with pastor James Sharp and learning about how the Lord has given him to serve in Uruguay. We have more to learn in just a moment. You're listening to the coffee hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living, breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Today we are talking with the Reverend James Sharp, serving the Lord in Uruguay. We have much more to learn about. Pastor Sharp, you've shared with us, uh, given us an update how your family's moved into the city, giving you more opportunities to connect with people and and really to to be a part of the life of the community. Share with us more about how the 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 work that you're doing and the partners you're serving with, how this this outreach, this mission is continuing to to thrive and to grow. Well, we, we've been serving small missions in other areas of, of Uruguay. Uh, there's a, we had a mission in a, a little town called Chapaqui up north, northwest on the border with Argentina. And we have a group of people that are, are meeting on the east side uh, of Montevideo, actually on the other side of the border, kind of like, I don't know, it's kind of like Collinsville. Like just the other side of the river, so it's still St. Louis, right? But it's it's the other side of the river. We're we're still in the greater Montevideo metropolitan area, but it's it's the east side. It's quite a far quite far away from our main congregation. But people are moving out there, 
And so we have a group meeting out there and we have this group in Chappaqui that's been there about six years now. And we're, we're excited because we're getting more workers to work in those sites. Uh, we have a missionary pastor coming from Brazil. Uh, Michael Schieferdecker is going to be serving the Northern Mission up and trying to plant churches in Salto and Paysandu, which are two large cities in that area. And then we have uh, a new missionary couple from the LCMS that should be arriving here early next year, the, the Josephs, uh, Phil and Pastor Phil and Deaconess Rachel. And they're probably going to be working on that east side mission. So it's exciting to see fruits and see how these little plants are growing and to see how the team is growing and, and to to move out of the capital, which was really that that was the point of our being here was to move and get the ministry of this Lutheran Church of Uruguay spread throughout Uruguay. And our goal, which is pretty ambitious, but you're supposed to have ambitious goals, is to have a ministry in, in all 19 departments of Uruguay. Um, I think they said by 2030, which is a, probably a little overly ambitious, but we're, we're shooting for it. So, mm-hmm. How receptive are people as you're, as you're moving out into these other areas? How do you see that the Lord providing for these areas and how receptive are people to these, oh. these new places that you're planting churches? I think the capital is the hardest place to work probably because you know, it's the big city. People think they're so smart. They're too smart for God. They're too ambitious. They, they have their family and their work and their football. And that's about all that they are, are interested in. And, and so you, you do meet more resistance, I think in the, the city, whereas out, once you get out of the capital, people are a little more receptive. They, they're more willing to listen. And so it's less work to get to the level where you can talk about religious things and share the gospel and invite people to church. Uh, it's, you, it's an awful lot of work to get there with people here in the capital. So that's one of the reasons why we really want to move outside of the capital as well as we feel like it's going to be a little more fertile ground. And people tend to move back and forth. People from the interior tend to move to Montevideo to go to school or to, to work. And then their goal is to buy a little house out where they grew up and move back there. And we actually have uh, a lady that's that's moving out to, to a city in northern Uruguay called Tacarambo. And so we're looking at the possibility of starting something there. And, and she's already talking to friends and family from back there. So... They're, they're a little more receptive. I, I would say they're not as receptive in general as people in other parts of Latin America, but it, it is, it's what the Lord's given us to do, and these people need Jesus too, even if they're seemingly hard-hearted about it. Hmm. Through the challenges that we faced over the last, what, almost two and a half years now, what, how have you seen the, the Lord providing in the midst of all the challenges. I know you mentioned that it's in terms of the pandemic, it's kind of uh, been off and on in terms of the challenges you face. How have you seen the Lord providing in the midst of all this? One way is we've have a few Lutherans that have moved here from other countries in Latin America that are going through crises. We have some Venezuelans, we have some Argentines, a couple of Brazilians, 
and they are very well taught, well catechized, strong lay leaders. And so that's been a, a blessing that we weren't expecting. So one of our groups that one of our Bible study groups on, on the east side is led by uh, a lay person from from Argentina who has moved here and and so you know the Lord moves people around we're a, a pilgrim people by nature and we've been able to take advantage of that uh, in a way that we wouldn't have been able to otherwise I, I think people needed help and one of the things about the church here even though people maybe don't believe in God and, and don't have a very high opinion of the church but they still consider the church a place to go for help and we were able to fulfill that for a lot of people and to be able to, to get into people's lives in a way that we wouldn't have been otherwise. And then transmitting our services, you know, anybody can watch those anywhere. And so we were able to get into people's homes that we weren't otherwise. We had, there's a, there's a man named Roberto that his he he was a client of uh, a member of ours who's a doctor and she was worried about him and she happened to mention him to one of the other pastors who went and visited him and he was an atheist and he didn't have much hope he was he was pretty sick and we said well we'll pray for you and we helped him out with some food and you know, the regular food baskets and things like that. And then one time we went to take the food basket and he started talking about the sermon from the previous Sunday because <laughs> he's been, he's been watching the services online and he never would have come to church. Uh, you know, okay. He never would have come to church. And now every time we go, we pray with them, we share devotions. He's watching the service every Sunday. And, you know, I, I we're still working on him. I, I don't know where he is necessarily, but I'm a lot more confident that, that when uh, his sickness finally takes him, that, that he could be with Jesus in paradise. And so, you know, that, that's something that is completely because of the pandemic that we have moved into doing things and into places that we wouldn't have done otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are, those are amazing stories coming out of the pandemic, the way that the Lord is still providing even through this and bringing in all of these people into his church. It's really incredible. You've mentioned a couple of times the, the people's view of religion. Can you tell us a little bit more about the, the religious culture in Uruguay? Uruguay was an officially Roman Catholic church, uh, Roman Catholic country uh, constitutionally until the early 1900s. And Uruguay the history of Uruguay is, is well, it's interesting to me, but I was a history teacher, but it's unique, I guess. And, and so it's this teeny little country stuck between Brazil and Argentina. And it, it was created specifically to be a buffer state. And for various reasons, a lot of folks in the late 1800s, early 1900s, who maybe were more, whatever you want to call it, secularist, leftist, liberals, revolutionaries from Europe would end up in Uruguay. And that really pushed Uruguay in, in that direction much faster than other countries in Latin America. So in the early 1900s, there was a, a very secular government. They pushed through a new constitution that took away 
the public schools and the orphanages and the hospitals from the Roman church, which were publicly supported, but run by the Roman church. They legalized divorce. They did all kinds of things to drive the Roman church out of the government. And since then, they have had a view of separation of church and state that is much more aggressive, I guess, than the way that, that we understand it in the United States. And so they, they have had now over 100 years of intentionally, not just secular, but secularizing schools. And so most people for generations have been atheist agnostic or something like that. And I, I always compare it to like where I grew up, there were a lot of Belgians and the Belgians are Catholic because that's what you do. You're Belgian, you're Catholic. And they might not ever go to church. They might not actually believe or even know what the Roman Catholic church believes, but they consider themselves Catholics because they're Belgian. And here we have people who are atheists like that. They're cultural atheists. They don't really know what atheism is. They don't know why they don't believe in God. They just know that they're atheists because their dad and their grandpa were atheists. And that's kind of the cultural religious background of most people here. I would say well over half have that kind of religious background, which is really nothing. It's zero. And while they have a natural antagonism towards established religion and they have a natural pride that says that not believing in God makes you smarter than believing in God, uh, in a lot of ways, they're, they're very open to spiritual things because they don't have any concept of spiritual things. They, they don't know what spirituality is. And I've, I find a lot of people here who are uh, who kind of wish that they might believe something, but they don't know what to believe because no one has ever taught them to believe anything except in you know, soccer and the Uruguayan national anthem. That's about the extent of religiosity in this country. So it's, it's interesting. It's hard, but in a lot of ways, I think it, it, there's more potential here than people realize for a country that's so overwhelmingly secular and atheist. How can we stay informed on the Lord's work in Uruguay and how your family's doing? Well, you can uh, check out our website. It's lcms.org slash sharp. And uh, also sign up for our newsletter if you want to send me an email, james.sharp at lcms.org. I'd be happy to add you to our newsletter list. We'll be going on home service this summer here, winter there. So we will be making some appearances in the U.S. as well. And if you sign up for our newsletter, we'll let you know as far as far ahead as we can. So uh, we would like to love to see people and tell people about what we're doing in more detail. We've been talking with Pastor James Sharp, serving the Lord in Uruguay. Thanks so much, Pastor Sharp, for being our guest on the Coffee Hour today. You're welcome. Thank you so much. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Anywhere.